Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where we dive into conversations about psychedelics and healing. I'm your host, Christine. And I'm Leah. We invite you to listen with an open mind and heart and a little bit of curiosity while we break your brains along with some stigmas and make you laugh along the way. So let's get into it. Shazam. Bitch, we're back. (laughs) We're back. Season two, baby. Baby. You know, I posted something this morning about like stepping out of a depressive episode for the first time in three months. I saw that. Did you see that? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. Okay. Let's go into it. We knew we needed a break. Yeah. You had a hard holiday and I did too. Yeah. And I think that it's important that we recognize that. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean we, um, doesn't mean we skated through it because we had a break. No, I also think that um, sometimes with us talking about this stuff, that people are like, oh, "Okay, I want to do what they're doing because so they then have I their can, shit together." So then I can be fixed. And yes, I think it's important that you know we stress we are human beings who are flawed individuals and we have hardships and bad days. And, you know, you and I both struggle around the holiday season for a lot of different reasons. And a lot of it stemming from childhood or trauma. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine that. It's almost like when they say the work never ends. It doesn't. This is what they mean. But I think you get stronger and you get resilient and you get wiser. And Yeah, but I also want to let people know that, like, I know we're in this space, but we are still human. Yeah. And we still have traumas and triggers and oh my gosh, lows yes. and very high highs and very low lows. And, um, you know, we, we recognize that we needed to give ourselves a break. What I don't think I expected was the low that would come while we were giving ourselves that break. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and get into that? Oh, fuck. So, you know, I think we ended season one, like talking about our ayahuasca journey. And I don't know if that, that was necessarily the last episode, but that was one of the last ones, one of the last ones. And it was right before Thanksgiving. And as you said, um, the holidays in general are usually very difficult for me. It's a lot all at once. It's a lot of busy Mm-hmm. And even in my industry that I am in currently with the service industry, I'm seeing a lot of people all day, every day who, who are, are also stressed, nothing but stressed. Like it is very rare that I have someone come in who is full of holiday cheer. <laughs> <laughs> like fuck that shit. So Santa Claus wasn't coming in and getting no, his butt wax. It was all the little angry elves like <laughs> running around doing the shit they didn't want to be doing and going to the families they didn't want to be going to. Yeah. And so it was a lot of like triggering conversations and also that energy. The energy alone, it's very like draining. Right. 
And, you know, I've always kind of recognized that I start drowning in the middle of December because I have two kids' birthdays and then there's Christmas. And Christmas for me growing up wasn't special, you know, and I try really hard to make it special for my kids. And on top of all of this, like we had just come out of our ayahuasca trips and something crazy happened in our family dynamic our personal lives. Also, Steve, who we formed an incredibly close connection with our and shaman. who was our shaman while we did our ayahuasca journey, um, recently passed away. And Leah and I didn't necessarily spend a lot of time with him. Um, and he, he passed away unexpectedly, and we didn't spend a lot of time with him and we didn't know him for very long, but the time that we had with him was very quality. And then also too, you know, when you are doing, um, ayahuasca or psychedelic like that, you are becoming very vulnerable. And so we had a lot of very, very deep and profound conversations with him about things we've been through hardships, struggles, and he was very much so there for us. And that was, that's a very big loss in the psychedelic space. Yeah. And And I I thought about that too. He passed away um, January 10th and, you know, it was a weird, it was weird because I knew I was like, we didn't even know him that long and this hurts so bad. And then I started to think like, you know, we started that bond with him when we first interviewed him. And that was like back Mm -hmm. in July, June or July. Yeah. And that was there already. Like that connection, that closeness, that vulnerability was already building. Share what Henry messaged you. Oh yeah. 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 And because people were reaching out and everybody was so kind. And, you know, I said, it's almost like I had to justify why I was grieving So a few people, I was like, you know, I know I didn't know him very well, but, you know, we always have that. Like, I know I didn't do this, but, and so I said that to um, one of our previous guests and he said, um, it was a big loss because you did know him because you let him know you. Like, and it was like, it was so much more than a surface relationship. And by the end of our time with him, we were literally calling him like, daddy, Steve and mama, Terry, his wife. And Mm -hmm. so, and what I thought about in that is like, you know, that was just our experience and our journey with him. And we know so many people over the last 20 years have had similar experiences with him. Yeah. And that was such a loss to all of those people. He touched and changed a lot of people's lives. Yeah. So it was, it was a, bigger loss than just somebody we met one time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Christine and I have been talking about, um, journeying, doing another heroic dose. Um, and on top of like the holidays, my birthday is in January and that's like a really triggering time for me and I don't want to do anything. And I just, I shut down like I really do. Mm -hmm. I shut down on Instagram. I shut down to people reaching out. It's just a lot of pressure. And I just am like, I don't want any part of any of this. And I just. Well, and you are kind of used to dealing with those emotions on your own. Yeah. 
So that's your go-to. That's my go-to isolation. Yeah. Yeah. Some people can probably relate to that, but then like to the people who take offense to it, like it's not personal. It's not personal. Like I just, that's how I dealt with things growing up was alone. Yeah. So I prefer to still do that, even though I have like a lot of support now. We have, and we have more community tools in our toolbox, more tools, more tools. So we reached in our toolbox. Okay. What was, <laughs> well, well, I mean, I feel like I don't want to have to go into the reasons why the holidays were triggering no. for us. We don't need to even no. do that. It's just, we have also decided from this point forward, we are taking a break from the holidays forward and not coming back until we're ready. And that's just on that. <laughs> like, no explanation needed. We are both in agreement that that's like something that we need to do for our mental health. Yes. Um, so what do we do, Christine? We reached in our toolbox and got mushrooms. <laughs> our handy dandy toolbox. And it no, was- no hammer, no nails, just <laughs> hmm, mushrooms, uh, LSD. No, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we really <laughs> needed to do some like, I needed a reset. Yeah. I wanted some introspect- introspective uh, work. And it had been how long since your first journey or your um, last journey? Almost a year. So I'll just, today's Wednesday. We did it Saturday. Saturday. Um, my first journey was March 5th. Okay. And so it was almost a year. Okay. Yeah. And I could, I kept telling Tony this, I could feel it. Yeah. I could feel that I needed it. I could feel myself going back into like old habits and it's almost like, you know, okay, I need this. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting, it it had probably been 18, 19 months since my last one. And, um, I think what's weird is that we were trying to plan it you know, like yeah. plan it with other people and involve other people and things just kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And finally we were like, fuck it. I can't wait on anybody. Like yeah. it needs to happen because I can feel myself slipping and I just need, I need a, I need a fresh start. I need a reset. I need to come back to, my, I need to come back to myself. Yeah. And to anybody who's never experienced this, like it's hard to explain Yes, I could feel myself disconnecting from myself. Yes. Do you know what happens when I disconnect from myself? What? I don't think I was aware of it while it was happening. It was something that came up after my mushroom trip that I started to notice. And maybe I talked to you about this. Is like when I am disconnected from myself, I am reaching and pointing fingers at everybody else. Ooh. Yeah. So... That's good. Everything was my husband's fault. And you're not doing this right. And you're not helping me. And you're not listening to me. And you're not hearing me. And this is your fault. And it was weird because I knew I was wrong. Can I say something? Yeah. With your human design? Yeah. When you are at your not self, your go-to, anger.
Well, hey there, shroomies. We are so excited to have our first official sponsorship with Colors Gummies, a game changer in the world of mushroom-infused treats. So let's dive into what makes Colors Gummies so unique and why we love them so much. For sure. Unlike other brands who use ground-up shrooms, Colors uses nano-mushroom extract from organically grown mushrooms. Their exclusive extraction process ensures purity and potency, making them five times more robust than raw mushrooms alone. Plus, their gummies carry a full-spectrum blend of tryptamines for that one-of-a-kind experience. That is amazing. So what about dosing precision? Yeah, so Colors addresses this issue with their proprietary nano-extract. It's water-soluble, ensuring a one-to-one dissolution ratio in water. No more unpredictable experiences, just a consistent and reliable dose every time. Ah, I love that. Okay, now let's talk comfort because sometimes I get shroom tummy, but not with colors gummies. Oh my God, same. And there's a reason for that. I always thought it was just completely unavoidable when taking shrooms. But with colors, their extraction process isolates active compounds, leaving behind the indigestible compounds. They're gentle on the stomach, so no shroom tummy with colors. Convenience is crucial too. Colors gummies are heat resistant and perfect for on the go. There is nothing worse than finding your melted mushroom chocolates in the bottom of your bag. Holy shit, right? (laughs) Like good luck dosing that out. Colors gummies remain solid, heat resistant up to 180 degrees, but who the fuck is going in 180 degrees? (laughs) And if you are, you're not dosing mushrooms. (laughs) They're convenient for any adventure, so no mess, even distribution, reliable dosing, and a shareable experience. Okay, so now let's talk purity. Colors is committed to all natural and no synthetics. Yeah, so many brands use synthetic lab-derived compounds, but not Colors. They're committed to clean products free of inorganic lab-derived compounds, and all of their products undergo third-party lab testing for potency and purity. So there is a whole range of products from Colors, including microdoses, perfect for those starting their journey or seeking a lighter dose, the double strength pouch for a more robust experience, and my new personal favorite, the Amanita Muscaria gummies for relaxation and stress relief. Oh, I love them too. They are also vegan, gluten-free, and made with real fruit juices and purees. Colors gummies are artisan made and hand poured for a truly exceptional experience. Ready to embark on a journey or microdose with Colors? Visit the Colors Gummies link in our bio and use our code OTHERSIDE15 for 15% off your purchase. And most importantly, be safe and dose responsibly. Hell yeah. Holy shit. You're exactly right. And he couldn't pull me out of it. Like I was angry about everything. Mm Mm-hmm. And he would try to do something and then I would be angry because it wasn't what I wanted, but I couldn't say what I wanted. I couldn't mm-hmm. say what I needed. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to lie. I put him through a little bit of hell and I've apologized since then. And we have talked since then. But um, yeah, what's your not self? Bitter. Bitter. Were you feeling any of that yet? Mm-hmm. You were. Mm-hmm. Shit. Very much so. Towards Tony or just in general? It wasn't necessarily directed at a person. It was just kind of my attitude in general, I would say. Good to know. Mm -hmm. But you know, I don't think I showed, well, I don't know. Did you notice 
What? That I was just angry at everything or were you not like... I noticed that you were angry about... But I wasn't angry at you? No, but I noticed your anger and very upset about situations that you really couldn't control. Yeah. And, you know, I knew like, okay, but there's there's nothing she can do about this. Yeah. So like, what can you do? Because you can't do anything. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> It's nothing I could fucking do. So I was, I was also, oh my God, you're so right. Because, you know, I was so angry that Jason wasn't also angry. And, but what did we say? He had just done a mushroom trip. He had done a mushroom trip before. So uh, he didn't have that anger yeah. that you had. I was so angry. Situations. And it wasn't at him. That's the thing. Like it wasn't at him. It was about the situation with the family. And I was like, how are you not angry? I'm so angry that this person would do this to us and that Mm -hmm. this person would do this to our children. And you're just like, it is what it is. And I'm like, how are you okay? Yeah. So we can get into that in um, a season two episode because I think that a lot of people would maybe relate to it. Oh, yeah. No, I think because we've had some people reach out and we've had personal conversations through Instagram about similar situations, but we've never really openly discussed it. On- and I'm going through a similar situation with a, not a family member, but a person right now. And connected to the family, connected to the family. And there's nothing that I can do. And it's toxic as fuck to the point where it's abusive. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel helpless. Yeah. Like when there's nothing that you can do and it's not your journey and you just have to sit back and watch this person like destroy lives. Yeah. That's the hardest part I think is I want accountability and I want someone to be held accountable for their actions. I'm a justice seeker. Yeah. Tony always says that like you did something, you should be held accountable for what you did and like very much so. I, I want them, but it's like, I can't control things that much. If only that's how that, you know, if only only the world worked that way. Right. And the thing is, is they are getting justice served to them because they're miserable. They're miserable. And they're not happy. Yeah. And, you know, so anyways. I need to think more about it like that is, you know, while there's not really accountability, like that person is going to live the rest of their lives as a miserable human being who's lonely and that is karma. Oh my god. And that maybe isn't accountability. No. The way I would like for it to be, but that is very much where they're going to sit. Yeah, for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah, we create our own heaven or hell. We really do. So you and I did um a journey this weekend and you went first. I did. And I don't want to get too deep into it. Um, we can do we can do individual episodes, kind yeah, of going yeah. into the details. Sure, sure. So I'll just give a little Cliff Notes version of it. Um, but yes, I did a heroic journey, and it was fucking incredible. Um, a little, and for those who don't know what a heroic journey is, it's five grams. Okay, five grams of dried mushrooms. Yes, yes. Um, Gosh, where do I even unpack? Um, 
I guess what I want to say is me doing this podcast, um, me speaking about the things that I speak about psychedelics and healing me being very, um, transparent and vulnerable about my experiences with childhood or as an adult. Um, it has triggered a lot of people in my life, um, family and friends and kind of an attitude of you shouldn't share that. Who do you think you are? And there has been a lot of inner turmoil with myself about that because it's, you know, at the core, we want to appease the people that we love. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I can't abandon myself to appease you. And so I'm obviously going to continue to do that. But then there's just this inner conflict that I constantly have had with it. So my journey, um, my ancestors showed up. And I think too, with being Marshallese and maybe if you are a person of color, maybe you can relate to this, um, with, family members kind of having an expectation for you. Like you do not share that about your culture or, you know, things like that. But to me, a lot of the things that I was sharing wasn't my culture. It was trauma, but sometimes we intertwine culture and trauma like they're synonymous and they're not. Yeah. And so, um, my journey was, I was just in this, and I don't want to say room because it's not a room and trying to explain a psychedelic (laughs) journey. I think people have in their head, like I'm trying to explain like a thing or a person or a space. And it's, it's like, I can't describe like a real life tangible thing that people know or people can see, but I was in a completely (laughs) enough, right? I was, yes, I was in a white space. And it was just bright light. Um, And long story short, my ancestors showed up and they literally took my hands. And what's interesting is with ayahuasca, there was a lot of focus on my hands as well. And I saw my hands age and I didn't really understand what that meant. But they took my hands and literally pried my mouth open and said, keep doing what you're doing. You're fighting the fight that we never got to fight. Don't stop talking and keep talking for our culture. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) So I came out of it and I looked at you and I was just like, (laughs) I have photos. I sent you the pictures that I took when you first came out because you were just like, (sighs) (laughs) Well, and the, but there, there just has always been this guilt because I want to be transparent for myself and for my own healing, but I never want to disrespect where I come from. Um, but the fact that they were like, no, like, say it, say it, say it, say it. And so what's crazy too is while I was in it, you posted something. On our Instagram. On our Instagram, not knowing what my experience was. 
And um, pretty much what you posted is this quote by uh, Bert Bert Hellinger. Yeah, he's a German psychologist. He's passed away. But he often talks about the black sheep of the family and how they're really a necessity for kind of change and and involvement of generations. But often they're the ones that are the most shamed and not embraced and and very much so ridiculed and critiqued. And I've always felt that way. Um, I've always felt like I was the black sheep and I always felt like I wanted to be the like I wanted to talk about the elephant in the room. I wanted to address the things that were bothering me and where I felt like, you know, were unhealthy. But oftentimes I was told not to or made to feel like bad for wanting to deal with things or, you know, heal or whatever. And so um, the fact that I got this like, no, like, keep going. Like, yeah we need this. Like you're able to, you're, you're saying the things that we didn't get to say was huge. Do you ever like, think about that for a second? Because I think that not just in Marshallese culture, but in a lot of like families, you don't talk about the things that weren't pleasant. Right. And a lot of times, some of those situations that happened, um, the person who was the perpetrator is usually passed on or gone or not part of the family anymore. You know, the abuser, whatever you want to call them, the perpetrator, abuser, and the victims are left to stay silent. So I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is like, you know, you stay silent because you don't want to hurt the people who are telling you to stay quiet. Like you just don't talk about that, but how is it hurting them? They didn't do it. Right. They're not the ones who did it to you. So why are they trying to protect the people who did? And you don't have to answer that. Like, it's just, it's just a thought, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why would talking about something that happened to me hurt you if you're not the person who did it to me? Right. Right. And is there maybe some projection of guilt or like shame because you didn't speak up and you could have stopped it or you feel guilty because you didn't know what was happening? You know? Yeah. What is the projection there? Well, that's interesting that you say that. And I think I told you this, but before I did any psychedelics, before I did my first mushroom trip. And it was right after, um, I closed six packs and, um, we had gone to Florida and I had talked to a cousin randomly on the phone, a relative, I'll just say relative, even though I just kind of let the cat out of the bag. But we got a lot of cousins. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, uh, I was talking to a relative on the phone and, It was just kind of a random coincidence, us talking. But her and I hadn't talked probably since I was five years old. And she had been under the influence of alcohol. And I didn't realize that while we were having this conversation. And for the listeners who don't know, my my father has passed away. So me even speaking out about this stuff, it's like, oh my gosh, like he passed away. Why are you even talking about it? Kind of an attitude. And so she was drunk and talking to me 
and I could feel her like trying to pick a fight and trying to be combative with me. And I don't know her childhood experience, but I'm just speaking about my experience and the things that have happened to me and how they made me feel. And she brought that up, like the things I've said about my father and how I've spoken about my father. And I'm like, okay, but that's my journey and that's my story and you weren't a part of it. So like, who are you to tell me? She then says like, well, those happened to me plus this and this and this and this. And I didn't say anything and I didn't get to do that. Uh, and I, and at that time, this is like pre, pre mushrooms, pre mushrooms, Christine, <laughs> I got very angry. And I, I remember just like sobbing and being like, you know what? Like, fuck you. Like I can talk about whatever I want. Like, I'm sorry that that happened to you. I don't know what happened to you, but like, whatever we're now, you know, I've, I've calmed down and you know, She's hurting. Yeah. She's hurting. And, you know, it's, it's, yes, she's projecting it onto me, but how I see it is there are all of these wounds there that should be talked about and should be addressed to help with our children and our children's children and to stop breaking the cycle. And so oftentimes the black sheep of the family, the one who, wants to talk about these things and wants to fix it or calls things out for like things not being all right, all just, or, you know, not okay. They get a lot of flack. And, and I think that there is this misconception that if you share it, there's like this weakness to you that you have these feelings and you're sensitive and you want to talk. And, you know, I was somebody who as a child, like I did cry a lot if I was feeling angry or sad or whatever. And that was all often dismissed or like, oh my God, you're so dramatic and, you know, whatever. And I was made to feel bad. And now I realize like that is literally my superpower yeah, and my skill. And, and that's honestly, so fucking brave that I can put my feelings out and share my vulnerability. And, and so I think it does trigger a lot of people in my life because they don't do that. And I do it so unapologetically and I live very loudly and I share the good and the bad. And if I'm struggling or, whatever. And it makes them so uncomfortable. And I have a lot of empathy and compassion for them and for, you know, the things that they have been through. But I think that, you know, we can live in dualities and I can still have a lot of empathy and compassion for them and maybe what they're too scared to share or even just acknowledge and sit with on their own. Right. But also, I'm not going to stop because it makes you uncomfortable. Right. And maybe people did have a different experience with my father. But I'm just speaking on my experience with with my family situation and how it makes me feel. And if it makes people really angry, I'm really, really sorry. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to keep doing it. 
Do you remember in an episode, I found a poem in a book and it said something like, I don't speak to hurt you. I speak to heal me. Yes. I love that so much. So, 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 so And that's what it is. But I think a lot of people, and this isn't just about like talking about injustice or things that are going on in your family. Like a lot of people act out as a projection because they can't do what you're doing. They can. Right. Sure. They can. Yeah. They're just afraid of it. Well, and here's here's the other point to make, too. I went along with how I was expected to act for a lot of my life and, you know, kept my mouth shut about situations with my father or situations with um, my sibling that were really toxic that really affected my mental health, gave me an eating disorder. Like, and I, I went along cause I wanted to appease and I didn't want to ruffle feathers. And that made me very mentally sick. Yes. And I can't do that to myself anymore. I love myself too much now to go back there. And so I wish that they saw it in that light, but they don't. And that's okay but I can't drop down for you anymore. I just can't like, I, I, I have too much love for myself and I've come too far and I've worked too hard to just be quiet. Don't be quiet. Oh girl. My ancestors <laughs> were like, bitch, keep talking. I, know. I fucking love it. I love it. <laughs> and what's funny, not funny, but then you had Warrior of Light. Yeah. Because this was another thing that they kept saying is in my journey, the word warrior kept coming up. And I'm not saying that in an egotistical, no, I'm better than you. I'm saying that is like in a way of I'm a warrior because I've been through like hell and back. And if you don't see that, that's okay. I see that. And I know that I'm a warrior. And so reading that Warrior of Light book, I'm like, holy shit. It really makes you feel strong, doesn't it? Oh, my God. It's so good. And I highly recommend for anyone that's in this space. It's it's not really, it's not really like a story. No. It's, it's it's just a book of um like uh just little anecdotes. Um it's the same author as The Alchemist. Yeah. I read it after The Alchemist and started highlighting and how much <laughs> I gave it to I you. I wanted to Saturday. highlight. <laughs> I'm like basically the whole book is highlighted now. <laughs> like there are very few pages that haven't been touched by a highlighter. <laughs> but everything in so it good. is just kind of like, you know, the warrior of light. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because it also kind of goes back to what Brene Brown was saying about like being vulnerable. And when you're in this space, you see who's in it with you. Yeah, you, you really do. And you see who's in the arena and the people who have the most to say about what you're doing are not in the arena. Yeah. They are not fighting. They are up in the stands watching you, telling you how to do it but they would never go down and do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like be in the arena, be a warrior and know that like, that's what you are. Yeah. It's very, 
I re it's, <laughs> I've said this about, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but like, you know how, like when, when you are bisexual or you, or you're gay, you have like this gaydar, everybody jokes about having a gaydar. Sure. I don't want to be like politically incorrect, but I feel like that's a thing, right? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. I have said before that like, you can almost tell when people are in this space. Yeah. You can tell who's doing the work and you can tell who's playing. Right. But that's like been the amazing thing about this podcast and building this community because me personally, the people who have, I have known the longest have been the least supportive vocally or just deafening. Yeah. Like silent where they don't even acknowledge the work that I'm doing and how far I've come um, or that they're proud of me or any of that. But the amazing thing is all the people that have popped up or just people who I have been friends with who have like really come to support me and like surprising, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It's, it's been very, very clear. Like, who has my back and who doesn't. And honestly, I, I appreciate that because I'm like, now I know. Yeah. Now I know. Yeah. So that's, that's the hard part. And, and we talk about that a lot, but I don't think people really understand like once you're in this space, like how many people you see are in your corner and how many aren't. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I see you. I see where you are. I see where you are. Now I know. Yeah. Got it. Still love you. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta keep going. I wish you were here with me. Right. But I can't force you to be here. Yeah. And I ca- I have to keep going for yeah. me. Yeah. And it doesn't bother me that you're thinking that you don't think what I'm doing is right or wrong because yeah. I know yeah. myself well enough to know that I that it is. Man, every fucking episode is like a fucking therapy session. It really fucking is. All okay. right. That was the Cliff Notes version. Shit. I know. Okay. Like, I okay. cannot wait. No, right. I can't wait to like go further into it with you because I still have a lot of questions and I'm yeah. trying really hard not to talk to you about. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into you. So mine, which, so I did five. <laughs> All right. You ready for this? I'm a little bit of a sadist. <laughs> is, that what the, is that a word? Sure. Is that the right meaning? Yeah, I think so. So my last, my first journey, I did five grams. My second journey, I did six. What? Yeah. What number was this? This was my third big journey. Oh, really? I thought it was like your fourth or fifth. I was overhyping you up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I've done, I think technically it's my fourth, but I had one that really wasn't a lot. Okay, gotcha. I was, it didn't have a lot of, it was a lot of releasing. Got it. There wasn't really a lesson in it. Okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And maybe we'll talk about that one day because I'm not saying that it was for nothing. I think I needed it, but it wasn't profound. Got it. I came out of it and was still in the same alcoholic, abusive relationship that I had always been in. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was just, yeah, it was weird. So this one, technically it was my fourth. So okay. I did seven grams <laughs> and I don't know if I'm going to be touching that for a while. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, you know, uh, and it, it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. You went home 
and Jason sat with my husband sat with me for mine. And it was weird because like before I went into it, like I look over and he's just sitting there and I was like, are you just going to stare at me the whole time? <laughs> he's like, what am I supposed to be doing? And I was like, can you like read a book or something? This is weird. <laughs> but then I laid back and I closed my eyes and I was in it for about an hour. And, um, uh, about an hour in, I just started like sobbing and I was coming out of it at this point and I could hear him say, do you need any help? And I was like, yes, can you just come sit with me? And I have this on video mm, and when so we good. get our like Patreon up, like I will 100% put this video on there because it was such a beautiful moment because we had been in the trenches all month because I was putting everything on him. Mm. Like I was like, you need to fix this. You need to do this. Like you fucked up. Like you've traumatized me. You've made my birthday into this dark place. And I just was putting so much pressure on him. And he came and he sat with me and he held my hand and it was like wild because the song that came on as soon as he sat down was like, th like this beautiful Elton John song and he loves Elton John. And it was like so fitting for the moment. It's fucking wild. How that, how music music uh, always does that with me. Yeah. You have a thing with music. It's like, so I have a thing with water wild for yeah. me. Like even in DMT, like the breathing in and out with the music. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And this, he sat with me and, and, you know, he was crying and we went upstairs, you know, helped me get out of it. Like he was like sitting with me, laying with me, helping me ground back down. And to anybody who doesn't understand what I'm saying, like you're kind of still out there for a little bit and it comes and goes in waves. And so I needed someone to hold me, to bring me back. Um, and he had to leave to get the kids. And I'm telling this part because it's important. <laughs> when he left, that's when the dark came. Mm. I have never, I've never had a bad trip. And I don't even want to say that this was a bad trip. It was just a really challenging part of the trip where I was alone. And I knew he was coming back. But I didn't have anybody there with me. And so I highly recommend not doing this alone. <laughs> um. And I thought I was dying, literally. Like, literally, I thought I had overdosed. I thought I was having a heart attack. Which, yeah. There were a million things going through my head. Like, this is what I get. This is what I should, I shouldn't have done seven grams. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, I shouldn't have let him leave. Like, I shouldn't be here alone. Like, I, at one point, was thinking about Steve and thinking, like, I wonder if this is how he felt. And I hate even saying that, but oh, it made wow. me feel like I was having a heart attack or something. And there wasn't anything physically wrong with me. Like, that's the thing. Like it was, and then I remembered, and I just want to thank literally everyone in our community and our listeners and people who have reached out and said how much we've helped them because I started thinking about all of you all. <laughs> And it like, it was wild because it like helped support me through it. 
it really did. I started thinking about you. I started thinking about my best friends. I started thinking about Steve. I started thinking about Jason. I started thinking about all of our listeners and how supportive everyone has been along this way. And in one of the episodes that we did, I talked to a girl who had done seven grams and I remembered the conversation I had with her because she said she thought she was dying like literally. And the girl that was with her was like, well, I'm not going to fucking lie to you. You kind of are like, there's a part of you that's dying right now. And it's so you can be, you can be born again. And I remembered this conversation and I was like, all right, I'm dying. That is what's happening. And you just accepted it. And I just accepted it. And I just, I like laid back and I was like, all right, this is it. I am dying. Like, not like physically, but like, right. I know that a part of me is dying right now. And I've been, I'm, I've been fighting it because it's so uncomfortable. But right now I'm just going to like lay back and I'm going to accept yeah. that I'm fucking dying right now. And this is, it's not real. It's an ego death. And then as soon as I accepted it, Jason and the kids walked in the house. Oh my God. I don't know if I told you that. Maybe no. I didn't. I don't think you did. And I was like, Oh, thank God. I'm reborn. (laughs) I was like, oh, they're here. Oh, yay. And so for the next several hours, you know, I I laid in bed and Elle and I watched a movie. And I do have to say this part because we had been watching this movie, A Wrinkle in Time. And it had taken us a couple of weeks to get through it because Kayla messaged you and I in Mm -hmm. a group chat and was like, you guys need to watch this. It reminds me of a mushroom trip. And we're like, if you tell me anything like that, I'm like (laughs) done on my list. I'm watching. And I think I tried watching part of it that night and only got 30 minutes in before the kids had to go to bed. So then the next week you want to watch the rest of the movie, watch another 30 minutes. And then, so this night after I did my mushroom trip, I was like, do you want to finish the movie? And she laid in bed with me and we finished the last 30 minutes or so. And when I hit play where we had left off and I don't want to give the movie away, but it's a beautiful movie and you should watch it. If you have Disney plus the part that we started playing was where Chris Pine's character was like, how long have I been gone? And she was like four years. And he was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And that's what it felt like for me. I feel like I didn't even recognize how far gone I was because I was just drowning. Mm. And I don't know if it was like a depressive episode. I don't even know if I could call it that. But I was so far gone and so disconnected from myself because of everything that kept piling up. And that's why I was reaching. I was grasping. I was pointing fingers. I was angry. I was all of these things. And the whole time, the problem was that I was disconnected from myself. And so I started to realize, like, I just, I've just been gone. Yeah. And I also realized Jason wasn't angry because he was just sad. And I started to feel that. I'm like, you know what? I'm not mad at this person anymore because honestly, I just feel really bad for them. And that's why Jason wasn't mad (laughs) at this person because he feels really bad for them. Yeah. 
Um, you know, we talked the next night, Jason and I, and I apologize. Like, I feel like I owed him a lot of apologies. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I put you through hell this month. Like it wasn't you. It wasn't you. It was me. I was going through a lot. The holidays are extremely triggering for me. I really think next year will be different because I won't be around so many people around the holidays. Mm. But I also want to recognize that this time is always going to be triggering for me until it's not. Right. You know, like, well, and you won't be working. I'm not going to be working in the same thing. And, and so, and then there's that there's, we'll take a break. We'll take breaks. Um, yeah. I also think now that like, I'll, I hope that I will be able to recognize and pull myself out of it before it gets too bad. Yeah. And And he even said to me, you know, he's a little bit freaked out, like maybe not right now, but like the next day he was a little bit freaked out that like it switched that quickly. He was like, how were you so bad Friday night? And then now you're fine. And I was like, it's mushrooms, man. Like that's, that's why they're magic for me because it like reminds me of who the fuck I am and what I'm capable of. Mm. And it like reminds me that there's so much love and there's so much support. And one of the things that kept like, I think I did tell you this, that kept coming up for me was, you know, I didn't have the support or the community before. And I look at what we've created now and I'm like, holy shit. Look what we did. Bad fucking ass. Look what we built. So badass. Like it's, it's crazy. like we want you guys to be a part of this. Yeah. Because that is kind of what we're doing. This isn't just you and I. This is bigger than us. Right. Like we're creating a safe place for people to speak Mm -hmm. and to feel and to be heard and to be validated. And I just keep thinking about all of you guys and how supportive you are and the words that you've, the messages that you've sent us. And it's just incredible. Oh, where was I? I went off on a little bit of tangent. First off, make sure the movie is a wrinkle in time. The movie is a wrinkle in time. I watched it that night too. And I was like, it's, it's so funny because that movie has terrible like stars. But if I would have watched that pre mushrooms, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause even like the places I was like, well, this is psychedelic. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't think I would have gotten it where now I'm like, Oh, I Whoever it. wrote this movie definitely had like done all the little hidden messages oh, in there. So many, so many stupid. little. Me- it kind of reminds me of like everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes, and that one won like a hundred and like eleven awards yeah. or nominations. Still like that one is amazing. still a really good movie. But yeah, it's kind of that same like thing. The other thing I wanted to say is, do you remember like the conversations we were having when I got out of my trip on Saturday? Yeah. And it was, this was before you had gone into yours, but it was pretty much, I was just telling you like that you're so focused on Jason. Yeah. But you're not focused on you. Yeah. And you need to focus on you. Yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll be there. Like he will or he won't, but like 
if he wants to be on this ride with you, he will, but you're so focused on him. You, I remember you saying that, which is fucking wild. Because yeah. that's exactly what I was doing. Because you were putting so all of my focused shit on him and not on him. focused on you at all. Yeah. yeah, I was just disconnected. Yeah, yeah, I was too far from home. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm proud of you. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Oh. You know, he was like so freaked out that it happened so quickly. Mm. But you know, we talked. I was like, that's what they do, though. Like they like they bring you back home to yourself yeah. and remind you of what's important and what's really going on. And it's never about what's going on outside of you. It's always about what's going on inside. Always. It's the turmoil that I was feeling inside that was making me feel disconnected from myself and from everybody around me. But he, he was like, well, I'm happy you're back. And that always happens. Like I remember after my second win, that was like something that I was like, holy shit, I'm back. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know how long I was gone. So that movie, that part of the movie where he was like, how long have I been gone? Oh, it was just so fucking wild to me because that's what it feels like. It feels like you just found yourself again and you're like, it's a reset. It's a great fucking reset. Like, you know, we're talking about going into season two and I'm like, I think we're going into this fucking ready so what should the listeners be expecting in season two? Oh, so oh much God, y'all we're so fucking excited so i think season one we did a lot of like focus and interviews surrounding psychedelics and healing of course and what have we got in season two already like already oh my god well first off we talked to a fucking sex therapist today yeah and you know, we're used to, yes, we get uncomfortable, but we're used to like being the ones kind of breaking people's brains and making people uncomfortable where today I was like squirming in your squirming seat. Squirming in my seat. <laughs> um, gosh, who else have we talked Somatic to? Somatic practicing. We've done like, we've talked to somebody, we talked to a medium. Talked to a trauma therapist. Yeah. Um, we also too, I think we want to do more interviews or sorry, more episodes with just Leah and myself. Yeah. Um, and we get so many questions from you all. Um, we get so many DMS about like where to start, how to do this. And so I think season two, we want to break things down and like have an episode of dosing, setting an intention, set and setting, you know, integration, integration, like we want to break it down and make it easy for you guys to listen to. And maybe they would be even shorter episodes, like where we talk about, you know, medications. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about that real quick, because I think we need to remind people that we are not professionals. We are absolutely not, we're not doctors, we're not researchers, we're not scientists, we are not professionals. But the amount of people who reach out asking us for medical advice or how to get off their meds. Now, we can tell you what we think. What we think. We cannot tell you what to do, and we really try hard to have people think for themselves or do their own research or advocate for themselves. And 
I think it's important that even though our opinion is that medication is not for us, we are not asking everybody to just come off their meds. We are also, and if that's something that you want to do, we are also not recommending that you stop cold turkey. Ever. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. We have not stated that. We do not believe in that. You know, I... We've even actually talked about how dangerous that is. Right. It's incredibly dangerous, but we have had a couple people say that they just cut off cold turkey. That is not anything we've ever recommended. Or condoned. Um, or condoned. And also to please, like, we may be in this space and talking about it, but myself and Leah, before we did this stuff... We looked into it ourselves and, you know, I didn't just blindly do a heroic journey. I knew how much I was taking. I was in a controlled environment. I had somebody who knew what they were doing with me. Like there are a lot of these factors. And the other thing that I want to stress is nothing is this easy fix and easy pill. Like. I think sometimes that people see where we are at and they're like, oh, I want to get there. Yeah. There's a lot of work that goes into that. There's a lot of prep that goes into that. Um, you know, even like with the the medication and everything, um, like that is something if you are on med- medication and you are wanting to get off and get into this space, then you need to find a professional who's well-versed, who can help wean you off safely. There are, and that's the thing too, like, you know, a lot of people out there have psychiatrists who are putting them on meds and not really listening to whether or not they want to be on them or not. And I think it's important to find someone who is willing to listen to you. And it is okay to switch therapists. Yes. It's okay to switch psychiatrists. Switch doctors. Switch doctors. If they are not advocating for you and you feel like you are constantly trying to do something different, then it's time to find someone who can support what you want or need. Because we've gotten that a lot where people are medicated and they don't want to be, or they're not medicated and their doctor, psychiatrist, whatever is like pushing for them to be on medication. Yes. And to me, if that's not the route that you want to go down, then that's not your then doctor. That's, you know, and for me being a personal trainer, like I'm not for everyone. Yeah. And same thing like when I've hired personal trainers, not every personal trainer is for me and that's okay. But it's it's you want to find a doctor or whatever professional you're working with who wants to hear you. And, and, you know, like I said, if, if you are interested in getting into the psychedelic space or holistic route, find somebody who knows what they're talking about. Well, and so on and that is well note, versed in that, I think another thing that we are about to start doing this season is we're going to start providing more resources. Yeah. So we have local psychiatrists and therapists and resources for people who aren't necessarily local, but who will help support you and who are professionals who can help you in this space. Um, You know, side note, like not even all therapists are trauma informed. 
Right. So that's something that we've talked about too. Not all therapists know when you're like, I want to do shadow work or internal family systems, or I have all this trauma. How do I deal with it? They're not, it, this is not a one size fits all. You really have to find someone who is interested in the work that you're doing, but also in the work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're going to start a Patreon and we're going to have resources on there, some books to get started, maybe some other podcasts that people can listen to for like beginners. Um, you know, we realize that sometimes we have these professionals on and sometimes you don't, they're not for everyone. And sometimes people have a hard time listening to that. Well, and if you're not in this space, it may be really hard to understand what the hell we're even saying. Right. So we really want to kind of break things down this season. Um, where it's just the two of us. Yeah. Talking. Yeah. Um, the other, the other point I wanted to make, and I think sometimes we get lumped into this is we've been very vocal about, um, how SSRIs did not work for us. Um, we've been vocal about our opinions on big pharma. Mm -hmm. But that is not me saying I am anti-medication or anti-SSRIs. This is not black and white. What I will say is I think these drugs have a time and a place and may need to be used for a later line of treatment instead of the first line of treatment. Um, but I do think that they have a time and a place or a temporary or a solution. temporary. Yes. Solution. But my opinion is that they're often the first go-to for treatment mm -hmm. and they're factually widely overused and abused. Yes. So I just want to be very well. And I kind of want to say, what I said in that TikTok in response to our first troll. Oh God, that troll. <laughs> we had our first troll. You know, we're not making it if we don't have some <sighs> I know. haters. It's true. fine. It's yeah. fine. We were kind of a little bit excited mm -hmm. about it, yeah. to be honest. We were like, oh yeah, our first troll, let's respond. <laughs> but, you know, she said, uh, SSR saved her life and the natural route is bullshit and a waste of money. And I don't want to get into like the specifics of the back and forth. However, this is what I'll say. They saved my life once too. I was medicated. And the way that I described it was in a time in my life when I was drowning and I didn't know why or how to get out of it, they were an oxygen mask. They helped me breathe and then for about a year later, I was like, all right, I'm fine now. I'm going to come off. I came off. I was still drowning. So I had to make a decision whether to go back on them. And I did. I went back on them. It took me a while to make that decision because I thought I could do it by myself. And I couldn't. Went back on them and then did the same thing. I was like, all right, I can come off now. So after coming off of them again, realizing that, holy shit, I'm always going to be drowning. I'm never going to not be able to be on medication. Like I'm just going to have to be on this the rest of my life. And you build up a tolerance to those medicines. Sure. So not only am I going to have to be on it the rest of my life, I'm gonna but I'm going to have to, gonna have to up my dose and try new things. 
And I didn't want that to be what I was doing the rest of my life. So when someone told me that mushrooms could help me and I did that, the difference between feeling like I was putting an oxygen mask on in a time when I was drowning felt like the mushrooms taught me how to swim. Mm. <laughs> and that's the difference. So she's like, you're so good. You know, what did she say about comparing that? They're not even a replace. They can't replace SSRIs. I'm you're like, right. you're exactly right. <laughs> they cannot, they are not even in the same arena. Right. In it's my like book. talking about like apples and like bananas. I was going to say like a fucking steak gourmet Brussels dinner. Store, Brussels sprout. No, it's like out of, they're like, it's two totally different realms. It's, it's not like even, a five-star restaurant. You're right. Food. You're right. You're right. You're exactly, you know what? Like this is a French fry and a fucking <laughs> French linguine. <laughs> so you're exactly right. But that was like, you know, you're not wrong. They saved my life too. They were an oxygen mask. I get it. I understand, but I don't need the oxygen mask anymore because now I know how to swim through the turbulence. Oh, that's so good. And I would rather teach someone to swim than lend them the mask. Ooh. Because you're only going to be surviving as long as you have the mask on. That's it. Yeah. So again, these are just opinions, but a lot of people have these opinions because of personal firsthand experience with both the medicine, Western medicine and the psychedelic Mm -hmm. plant-based space. Yep. And you cannot judge one without also (laughs) knowing what's on both sides of that. Yeah. I also want to add to that we do get a lot of people messaging us or just feedback of like, oh yeah, like I've done psychedelics so much and blah, 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 blah. There is so much importance with the intention on why you're doing it. Yeah. I've thought about this so huge, a lot huge because we, there is a difference and this isn't gatekeeping. I thought about this because I'm like, am I gatekeeping? Is that what I'm doing? But I don't think I am because I do both. I use them for fun, but I also know when and how to utilize these medicines, these sacred medicines for healing. And both times There is a reverence and a respect for the medicine. I know Mm. how much I'm taking, even in the fun doses. I know what I'm doing, how much I'm doing, and the set and setting have to be right for me. There's a respect there and there's an intention there. Well, even if the intention is I'm just going to have a really good time with my friends. I was going to say, because like that can be an intention and that can be healing to go out and have fun and connect with my friends without consuming alcohol right when everyone else is drunk around me and and I feel anxious and uncomfortable like this the intention for me is to still have a good time stay present have a good time with my friends and connect that's it so there is a difference because we all know people and you know we're all the trip reports Mm, okay we just did a trip report with someone who um is 
had said she had been doing psychedelics for like 17 years, but only for fun. Yeah. And her first healing journey was like, holy shit, I've been disrespecting this medicine all along. Yeah. So there is a difference between someone who's like, yeah, bro, I do them all the time. And someone who is like, have you done them for healing? Yeah. With an intention. Right. Because you again, can do both. These are sacred. They are. And there needs to be respect on it. I um, think that that's why they were misunderstood in the first place. Which go quickly into what are trip reports. Trip are. reports. So as if we didn't have enough on our plates. No. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. We have but this is so easier. So a lot is of it? people are interested in hearing about other people's journeys. And not necessarily hearing from the professionals, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit easier to relate to someone who's just a normal, like not a professional in this space. So for our trip reports, it's just going to be you or I interviewing someone talking about their journeys with the medicine. And it's going to be specific. Yes. Like how much they took. Where they were at. Yes. Why did they do it? Who did they do it with? Where did they do it? So people who are curious about this um, can kind of gather information about a lot of what we talk about. Yeah. You want to hear what it's like to do DMT? Like you can go on to our Patreon or wherever we end up putting these and search DMT trip reports. Yeah. Kind of like a podcast version of Arrowwood. Yeah. Yeah. So for anybody curious, what else in season two? I don't know. We're going to fuck your worlds up, though. I know. I feel like that's not we're not even done. (laughs) We're just getting started. We're just getting started. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to be back. And I feel like, you know, we keep saying this, but every episode feels like a therapy session, whether it's just you and I talking Mm -hmm. or we're talking to an expert about whatever, you know, feel that they're in or we're just talking to somebody and they're just sharing their inspiring story. Like it is, it's this, this space is so healing for me. And I think for you and it's, I'm so grateful for our supporters um, because we wouldn't be here without you guys and the connections we've made the connections we've made. And so sometimes it's oh, the sister brand. Yes. Aaliyah and Megan. Yes. Yes. We've got apparel now. It's crazy. Yeah. We're, and we're I'm doing, just, I'm thankful. Yeah. I may have lost some people, but I've gained much more meaningful relationships out of it. And yes. like, I'm, I'm just very thankful. Yeah. If you're new here, welcome. Hello. And if you've been along for the ride, like we see you, we hear you and we thank you. We're forever grateful for all the support that you guys have given us along the way. And you're not small either. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you're a very big part of our hearts and our lives. And the fact that like, I thought about all of you in my mushroom journey. (laughs) And we all have the potential to be warriors. Yes. Yes. We don't all choose it, but we all have that choice. It's the hard route. It's the hard road for sure. All right. Season two.
Buckle up, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, motherfuckers. Let's go. We're going. All right. Let go. What else? That's it? That's it. Okay. We will see you guys. On the other side. Bye, y'all. <laughs>